Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. What they anticipated and what they expected and what they experienced were completely different. What do you do when the facts of your faith and the facts of your life collide? Only looking at life through God's perspective will make sense of life. God's perspective is the only perspective that makes sense of life. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet Did you catch that? God's perspective is the only perspective that makes sense of life. Pastor Ed states it loud and clear in today's message. We will never understand why the world is the way it is. We also will never understand why God allows it to be as it is. However, if we adopt God's view on the situation, we will begin to be able to adopt a new set of lenses through which we can see a different world. This world view will allow us to see God's kingdom at work and start to answer our hardest questions. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message in Psalm 73. I want to read a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. In Psalm 73 it says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Do you believe that? Do you ever doubt that? He was the most well-known worship leader in the whole nation. His songs were sung by people within the nation, and they became international in their scope. He was prophetic in the use of his ministry. His influence was great. His influence was so great that even his four sons followed in his footsteps. They became ministers of music. Something happened in his life, though. Something happened that threatened to destroy his faith. So destroy it. That he turned his back on everything he spent his life building. There was a conflict inside. He looked at his own situation and he looked at everyone around him. Especially those who ignored God. And it created a civil war on the inside. We read from one of his songs, Psalm 73. Listen to his words in verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. What caused Asap to almost fall down and lose his way? What 
triggered doubt in his heart. What triggered doubt in his mind was the way God, in his mind, apparently treated his children who loved him. And the unrighteous who ignored him. That's what triggered it in the life of Asaph. Let me ask you a question. What triggers doubt in your life? I know what some of the things I struggle with are. I could still remember as if it were yesterday Geneva's face. She came to me and said, Pastor, they've told me I have cancer. Please help me. Please pray. She was a beautiful, godly saint who influenced the whole church with her life. We got the church together. They prayed. Yet, she died. Her story can be told over and over again. Different faces, different names, same scenarios. He was in my youth group. Bobby was energetic, wanted to serve the Lord, went off to ORU, Oral Roberts University. There at Oral Roberts University, he met the girl of his dreams. He moved to Texas. They were married. He took a job as a sports coach. One night, after they turned the light off in their bedroom, about 10 seconds later, a car came bursting through the bedroom wall, killed his wife, Ava Lynn, and sent him to the hospital. And for months, he had to face surgery. Life didn't meet his expectations. Just several weeks ago, we were in my office. I sat down at a table with a pastor by the name of Steve. He's our pastor in Kingston, New York. He left a prosperous church to follow a vision of burden in his heart to begin a home missions work in Kingston. He's been there a number of years now. All that's in that fellowship is a handful of people. While he was there, following God's vision, his son was killed in a motorcycle accident, an unsaved son. His mother died. And when we sat at the table, he told me he's in the process of finishing up chemotherapy treatments for cancer. What do all three of these stories have in common? What they anticipated and what they expected and what they experienced were completely different. What do you do when the facts of your faith and the facts of your life collide? Only looking at life through God's perspective will make sense of life. God's perspective is the only perspective that makes sense of life. Well, that's where Asap started off. He started off with God's perspective, but soon he began a downward spiral 
into a life of doubt and unbelief. Well, how did that downward spiral begin? Where did it begin? Where this worship leader, this man of God, began to descend into doubt. It began when he began to look around. See, he looked at the unrighteous, the wicked. They were doing well. Then he began to compare himself with them. We have indication from Psalm 73 that he suffered in his body physically. And he might have had some financial problems as well. Perhaps the offerings were low in Israel at that time because he lived off the offerings. But he looked at himself in comparison with those around him. And as he looked, he forgot to look up. But he looked around. And he began to think, you know, I deserve to have what they have. I'm living for God. I'm walking with God. I'm doing God's will. They don't deserve it. And what's more, they shouldn't even have it. That's what the Bible calls envy. Underline that in your mind and in your heart. Envy is when not only are you jealous of what people have, is you feel they shouldn't have it and you should have it. He said, you know, they're sinners, I'm a saint. They're rotten in their heart. I'm righteous in my heart. These people ignore God. I follow God. And it's created a whole series of conflicts that were ripping him apart on the inside. He saw that people who ignore God prosper. That was his descending into death. People who ignore God prosper. Uh, the verses read, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. That's the way he felt. You pay your tithes. And because you pay your tithes, you give 10% of your income to the Lord. Because you honor him and recognize his lordship in your giving, it means maybe you don't drive as good a car as your neighbor does. Or maybe you don't have as nice a house as they have. You take a trip to your relative's home, their house. They're talking about adding an addition onto their home. And then they're talking about how much they're accumulating in their retirement program. And you're thinking, oh, Lord, how am I going to send my son to college? You drive home that night. And the enemy comes and whispers in your ears. That extra five or ten thousand dollars, what you could do with that every year, how you could use that. And you begin to think, what's it that tempts you? You're a Christian, because you're a Christian, you stand up in school and you say, 
that the new morality is just the old morality and new clothes. That it's still an immorality. That it's wrong to live a homosexual life. That it's wrong to have premarital sex. Uh, You're not going to win any popularity award in school. You're not going to be voted the most well-liked and popular. In fact, they label you fanatic. They put you with the fundamentalist and say, they're out of touch with the times. At your job, you won't cook the books. You won't be dishonest. And because of that, your boss says, forget about them getting a raise. They skip over you when it comes time for promotion. You lose the contract in the business. Just because you're honest and upfront. And you wonder, does it pay to serve God? You've been coming to church for years and years. And you're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling with the children. And you're a believer in Christ. And your neighbor, who doesn't even darken the doors of a church, seems to have it all together. And you're tempted at that moment to question God. The psalmist struggled in his body physically. He says, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. And then he goes on in the psalm to say... My flesh and my heart may fail. There were some physical problems that he was facing. Uh, Maybe you're struggling physically and you've been struggling for years and you look at your neighbor, you look at your unsaved relatives and they're as healthy as a horse and you wonder, God, where are you? How come people who ignore you prosper? Not only people that ignore God, but people that oppose God. That really was like the nail in the coffin for the psalmist when he looked around and he saw their arrogance. Oh, let's just read it. Verse 9, their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. You look at who's on the airwaves. You look at the Who's controlling the media? They don't promote morality. It seems like their agenda is winning. And it seems like the values that we built our nation on, the values that made us great, are eroding. When you look at that, you wonder, God, why? Hugh Hefner, the founder of the Playboy Enterprise and Empire, with $600 in his pocket, a few pictures of Marilyn Monroe, back in the 1950s, established that empire. In 1985, he had a stroke. Instead of it humbling him, instead of it turning him to God, he said... The stroke was a real blessing. It's given me time to fight those religious fundamentalists. It seems like every time Hollywood puts out a new movie, 
They're endeavoring to see how many of the Ten Commandments they can break. When we look at the prosperity and we look at the attitude of the wicked, you just wonder. We could look at the onslaught of darkness in our generation. And we're tempted at times to wonder, God, we're losing ground. He came close to losing his faith. And unless you have God's perspective, you won't be able to make sense of life. Unless you have God's perspective, you won't be able to make sense of life. There came a turning point in the psalmist's life. He was on a downward spiral. That turning point came in the following verses. Verse 13. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. He began to think, is it really worth serving God? Is it really worth living for God? He gave this testimony that he went to the precipice and he almost fell off. He says, all day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. It was a constant burden to him. See, there was an inner dialogue going on in his heart and mind. At the conference table, he began to talk to the old man. The old man invited envy in. Envy brought his friends unbelief and doubt in. And Asaph was losing the conversation. He was losing the battle. He began to look at life from a worldly perspective. He began to see his life from a perspective that was driven by the values of the world rather than by God's perspective. It became a burden to him. Whenever we begin to envy the ways of the world and the people of the world, we make our hearts fertile soil for the seeds of doubt and unbelief and bitterness and anger to enter in. You could wind up driving your car and in your car you could wind up being angry at God, angry at your family, angry at the people around saying, God, where are you? Asap, perhaps beaten up, had to fulfill his duty. He had to go to church. He was the worship leader. He was the choir director. He was the minister of music. So he goes into the sanctuary and perhaps in a very perfunctory manner, he begins to lead the service. I don't know how it happened. I don't know when it happened, but I know what happened. In verse 17, it says, till I entered the sanctuary. See, that's the turning point in Asaph's life. That's the turning point in Asaph's journey. 
until he entered the sanctuary. He, he enters the sanctuary. And there in the sanctuary, the heavens are open. And the glory of God comes down. And suddenly, he gains heaven's perspective on his circumstances and situation. And he sees it all differently. <sighs> they were monkeys on his back. Doubt and envy and unbelief. And the old nature. And when he went into the presence of God, suddenly doubt disappeared. Unbelief was replaced with faith. He was changed on the inside. I can't explain it, but I know it happens. People come into the sanctuary of God and somehow, in some mysterious way, in the very presence of God, it's more than just what the preacher says or the worship service is like or the choir sings or the soloist sings. It's more than that. It's somehow God coming down into the hearts and souls of people where suddenly they're changed and they see things from heaven's perspective. Someone said, faith is for that which lies on the other side of reason. Faith is what makes life bearable with all its tragedies and ambiguities and settling, sudden startling joys. Without faith, how in the world do you handle life? How do you handle the injustices that come to the righteous, the difficulties that the righteous suffer, the difficulties that are part of the journey of life? Asap, suddenly in God's presence. Now, I want you to see he's ascending now into faith. He's ascending into faith. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God, whose ways you cannot understand at the time. See, faith is that deliberate confidence in God that looks beyond what you see. To God's perspective. What did he see? He saw first of all the truth about the unrighteous. See he was on slippery ground. But he realized they have no foundation. They have no footing. They could slip right off. He said suddenly. They're gone. God blows on them. And they disappear. He recognized that it's not what it appears to be. What happened to the psalmist is when he walked into the valley of unbelief and doubt clouded his mind and unbelief filled his heart, he could not see life properly. He could not see. He exaggerated the circumstances of the unrighteous. He made assumptions that weren't accurate. God suddenly fast forwards him. And he sees the past. And he recognizes in a moment's time they're gone. Did you ever wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and had a dream and say, I'm going to remember that? You go back to sleep and you get up, you don't have a clue? He said, that's the way the unrighteous are. That's the way the wicked are. He said, they're like characters in a dream. They're like fantasies. They're there for a moment and they're gone. I tell you, 
that the unrighteous one day will be swept off into judgment. We should not be having envy for them or envy over them. We should have compassion on them. And there should be a desire in our hearts to see the unrighteous come, no God. Because swiftly, they're going to be swept away. The Psalms are a wonderful place to turn to when in the midst of the most difficult times in this life. Pastor Ed will be sharing a 14-part series of messages from the book of Psalms with hopes that you'll be encouraged each time you join us. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith.